Alrighty, guys, what is going on? Welcome back to the Eric Roberts Fitness Podcast. I hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing amazing. Um, very first and foremost, quickly, I just want to say thank you again. Um, the past couple days, once again, I've gotten a lot of feedback from you guys who listen to the podcast that you know you just you you enjoy it. You you binge watch a couple episodes and you enjoy it. And uh, again, I've said this before, but I don't look to see how many people are listening. I don't look to see you know what the downloads were. I could, I honestly don't know how I could probably figure out, but I do this because I do first and foremost enjoy it, but second of all, I do it for the people who listen, you listening, because I hope you can get value from it. That's that's all my content is trying to be geared around. It's just trying to create the most value. I, I did a TikTok video today and it was like, listen, like if anybody's telling you that there's anything you can buy from them to burn fat, it's an absolute lie. And I put like, listen, I know most of the things I say are not very sexy. I know it's not what you normally hear from people trying to sell you something, but that's because I'm not trying to sell you something. I'm just trying to get you the best information you can possibly have at your disposal to then put it into practice and see results. And and beyond that, like sift through the the nonsense information that may be out there on the internet because that's one of the biggest things whenever I onboard a new client that's one of the biggest things I hear they're, they're just like listen like there's so much information that I don't know what to do I don't know what to believe I don't know what's right for me because it's it's true like what is right for me may not be right for you and what's right for you might not be right for your spouse and like every person is an individual so the information is out there on the internet cool that's perfect but how does that come back and relay to you the individual you know what I mean so Kind of got off track there. But again, thank you for listening. I appreciate it. And thank you for your kind words. Um, so let's dive right in. Uh, a Q&A today, a couple good questions I wanted to get covered just from random people, uh, you know, messaging me or, or sending me emails as far as, you know, questions they have. And I'm trying to create like a centralized place where I can do this and, and get questions for the podcast. I'm, I'm still working on that, I promise. Uh, but that will hopefully be happening soon. Um, so the first one is, it's kind of a, a question. I'll, I'll word it my own way. But uh it's basically asking, what should you do if, say, for example, you have a 1,500 calorie deficit and you go 200 calories over? Should you, you know, restrict 200 calories the next day to even out? Should you do something different during the week? And, and how can you go about that? So it's actually a pretty good question. And the thing I will say is the biggest part, the, the, the most important part is if you are in a weekly deficit. So if you're just for very easy math. If your if your calorie deficit was 1,000, which none of yours is, but for easy math, 1,000 times seven is 7,000 calories for the week. As long as you hit that 7,000 calories for the week, or whatever it is for you, that then you're going to lose weight. Like that is your weekly deficit. So as long as you're in a weekly deficit, you're going to lose weight. Now, here's the thing: what should you do after if you go over your calories? Again, actually, kind of going back to my intro, it's very individual because. If you're a type of person who has a unhealthy relationship with food, if you're the type of person who tends to really over-restrict yourself, if you tend to be very hard on yourself, if you tend to you know, mess up and then just quit, I would not recommend restricting those 200 calories the next day because that's just going to keep le- that's going to keep feeding this unhealthy cycle you already have in your head of, you know, a bad a bad relationship with food, a unhealthy relationship with restricting calories with thinking that you that, that, that you fucked up that you messed up like it's just going to keep feeding into that so for that individual i would just say just get right back on track like it just just do the same thing you were doing the day before just hit your 1500 calories like just hit your goal for somebody else i might say okay like yeah you went or or 
here's the thing you could do if you know that you're going to have whatever it is a vacation or a party or whatever and your weekly deficit is 1700 if you want to pull back if, if you want to have more calories one day and pull back the next day you could do that but again I would urge you to think about how that relationship is going because and, and I see this with a lot of a uh, quote-unquote weekend warriors and These people are just basically, you know, the people who try to diet Monday through Friday and then Saturday, Sunday, they just do whatever the hell they want. And again, to an extent, this can work because, again, as long as you're in a calorie deficit for the whole week, you know, as long as you hit your weekly deficit, you will be in a deficit and you'll lose fat. But here's the thing, and I've had this with clients before, one very, one pops in my head, but, um, you can be perfect Monday through Friday and like, you know, be super restrictive. And then on the weekends, you, I don't want to say you binge because you still stick to a calorie deficit, but let's just say Monday through Friday, you weigh, you know, 204, 203.8, 203.2, 203.4, 203.2. So you, you go down and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday rolls around and you gain four pounds. And then you go back to the weight you were. And then Friday, Saturday comes around, you gain you gain four pounds again. And it's like this vicious cycle of just going back and forth. And oftentimes the 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 week the, the calories on the weekend are not quality calories. They're like alcohol or, you know, cheeseburgers or whatever it is. And like not that those things are bad, but if you're getting the majority of your calories because they are quote unquote cheat days from alcohol or foods that are very, very, you know, not easy to digest and not very nutritious, then yeah, like this is where you play that game of, yeah, a weekly deficit, but what are you really doing, right? It's like if you constantly lose throughout the week and you gain the weekends, something is not right. Like you're, you're, you're probably not optimizing your weekly calorie deficit and you have to, you have to decide if, if that's how you want to live. Cool. Like that's, that's, that's up to you, but it, you need to find a way to have more moderation and whether that is not going so restrictive through the week, whether that is, you know, pulling back on the weekends, what, whatever that may look like for you, but to have this cycle where if you go over, you have to then pull back the next day. I think for some people it can work, but honestly, I think for the majority of people, it doesn't work because the relationship they have with food and the relationship they have with thinking they messed up so they have to pull back calories, I don't think personally it's worth it. If you're more on the advanced side and you don't you tend to not have those those kind of issues, it may work, but for the majority of the population, like I just think get right back on track the next day. Because again, yes, weekly deficit, but if if it's if it's hindering your relationship with food, if it's hindering your relationship with how you feel about yourself. It's very simply just not worth it. And again, like this is where you can you can put in calorie cycling. So, like for example, instead of having a daily deficit of two thousand calories, you can have twenty two hundred on three days, and you know eighteen hundred on four days. Like that can be that is a more healthy way to go about things because you can have more calories some days, you can have less calories some days, and like that's not completely throwing in the towel, like going to either way on the extreme end. It's not like you're going 1200 calories during the week and then 4,000 calories on the weekend. Like that's not, I would never recommend that. But like, yeah, if you want to do calorie cycling, I do that with a bunch of my clients. It's like, Hey, on workout days, you have 2,200 calories. And on rest days, you have 1800 calories. Cool. So on the days you work out, you can have more calories on the days you don't work out. You have less calories at the end of the week, you're still at your weekly deficit. And again, it's not like you're going to either extreme on each end. You're just simply calorie cycling throughout the week to optimize performance, to have some more food some days, to, you know, optimize metabolism, all those kind of things. So, um, yeah, that, that's kind of my thoughts on calorie cycling and, and what 
what you should do if you kind of go over calories one day. I would say it's very person-dependent, but for the majority of people, just get right back on track the next day. It's not it's not that serious. Um, so those are my thoughts there. Um, the next one is going to be optimal rest time between sets. And I was actually... I was actually glad to get this question. Um, so here's the thing, like, and especially during this day and age, the hit workouts or the swipe workouts on Instagram or like you know just the cardio, like heart heart pumping, whatever it is in general, are so are so marketed to fitness people, especially people trying to lose weight, that you think that you have to be sweating buckets, breathing heavy, nonstop, twenty four seven moving to lose weight, and that is just not the case. And if you're looking to optimize performance, that's just not the case at all. That's that's actually the farthest thing from the, the truth. And I just I put out a video as far as um how to set up your workouts. I'll link that here in the show notes below. There's a it's gonna be a two part series on YouTube. Um, but beyond that, if you're looking to optimize performance, like in the gym, actually get the most out of your workout and actually you know lift the most weights or do the most reps or whatever it is. I would say that at the very, very, very least, you should be resting a minute. And, and honestly, I don't program a minute rest for anybody really, unless it's like a like a warm up um, session. So like I, I have my clients do a, a proper warm up before every single uh, every single workout. So like yeah, for like you know stretches and some activation work, yeah, like rest sixty seconds and get back to it, or rest you know forty whatever it is. But for actual workouts where you're doing working sets, where you're trying to push your muscles, where you're trying to lift more weight, where you're trying to do more reps. I don't go anything under 90 seconds, really. I don't see a point to go anything under 90 seconds of rest. Normally, it's more towards the 120 to 180. Um, and again, that's just because if you want to optimize your workout performance, if you want to get the most out of your workouts, you have to let your muscles recover in between sets. And you have to let your nervous system recover. And you have to let your heart rate get back down. You, if, if you're one of those people who thinks that, well, if I'm not out of breath and I'm not sweating, I'm not working hard enough, I would, it's, I'm sorry to say, but you're actually not working that hard because it's not that hard to get sweaty and be out of breath. I could go run down the street right now and be sweaty and be out of breath. That took me seven seconds and I could do it again and it would take me seven seconds. Like it's, it's not that hard to be sweaty and to be out of breath. And I'm just sorry. It's not on top of that. If you're not letting your muscles recover in between sets, you will not be able to push and perform the best the next set. So, for example, if you're taking 30-second breaks in between rests, so if you're doing uh, a, set of 10, a set of 10 reps on squats with 100 pounds, let's just keep for example. On the first set, you're doing 100 pounds for 10 reps. You rest 30 seconds. The next set, you do 100 pounds for 8 reps. The next set, you're really gassed, so you have to drop down 10 pounds on each side. So you do 80 pounds for 8 reps. Do you see how your performance is decreasing because you're not letting yourself recover? Whereas somebody who is letting themselves recover, the first set they do 100 pounds, the second set they do 100 pounds, and the third set they do 100 pounds, all for the same reps, so or or possibly even more reps. So that person, long term, is going to actually see better results because they are lifting more load over an extended period of time. They they are. They are actually working harder than the person who is trying to cut their rest time to 30 seconds so they can be sweaty and out of breath. Like that person is not working as hard as the other person who's taking two-minute breaks. And I know for a lot of people that it's very, very, very hard to contextualize and it's hard to conceptualize that. But that's just the truth because, again, long-term. People who think that they have to have 30-second rest, like they are very, very short-term thinkers. Like, oh, my God, I got to push myself during my workout. 
Whereas, A, we've already talked about you're not pushing yourself to your maximum abilities. But, two, long term, you're not going to see as good a results for, uh, as somebody who's resting two to three minutes in between sets and who is able to really actually push themselves. Because if you're going into the next set still out of breath, still gassed, you're already starting the set off not being able to perform the best. Whereas if you go into the next set recovered, refreshed, you, you know, you, you have gotten your heart rate down, you've caught your breath – you will start that set off much stronger than the person who only rested 30 seconds. So if you start the set stronger, you're going to finish the set stronger because that that other person who's resting 30 seconds is already gassed. And then on top of that, optimal, you, especially for compound movements like squat, bench, deadlift, those kind of things where you're, you have to have your form on point. If you try to keep going into those movements with 30-second rests, you're, you're going to get injured. It's just the bottom line. You you are going to get injured. Your your risk of injury goes through the roof at that point. And everyone's like, oh, I can't do squats because they hurt my knees. And, like, that could be for a million different reasons. Obviously, I, I'm, I'm understanding that. But if one of the reasons is you keep trying to do 30 seconds in between your workouts, uh, in, in between your sets, like, lengthen the time in between your sets. Like, get your form down. Catch your breath. Think about what you're doing. When, when you're only having – 30 seconds in between your rest to do your your next set you don't have that much time to think about what you're doing or you don't have that much time like all you can think about is oh my god i'm out of breath oh my god i gotta get this done oh my god oh my god it's so fast it's so fast paced you don't know what's you can't think about what's going on and so i would definitely say for compound movements at the very least normally two minutes like i, I would i don't go anything under two minutes really for compound movements um for things like lunges or single leg deadlifts or, you know, rows, like you can maybe get away with like 90 seconds with those. But again, like, why, like, why not just rest a bit longer to maximize your performance? Now, if time is an issue, that's where I would say go and do supersets. So like, for example, if, if time is an issue, instead of doing one exercise with a bench press, the next exercise doing a row, the next exercise doing a chin up, the next exercise doing a shoulder press, I would superset the bench press and the chin up. I'd superset the row and the shoulder press, which a superset is just you do the both exercises back to back and then rest. Both exercises back to back and then rest. And then the way these supersets are set up are they're antagonist muscle groups. So for example, a a bench press and a row, you're pressing and you're rowing. Those are two separate movement patterns. So studies have shown you're able to still, you know, you're not going to hinder your row performance because you're doing a superset with a bench press because those are two completely different muscle groups and two completely different patterns. The same thing with a chin-up and, uh, and a shoulder press. Same thing. Like They're two different movements. So you can superset those, do those back-to-back with you know, maybe 10, 20, 30-second rests in between, and then take your 90, 120-second rest. But you're still having that 120, and honestly, for a superset, you'd probably be longer, but 120 to 180-second rest because you're still getting the rest in between your next set of that muscle group. So for your bench press, you're still getting two to three minutes to four minutes in between your next set of bench press. For your chin-up, you're still getting two to three to four minutes in between your next set of chin-ups. And this way, you can, again, let your muscle groups recover and actually be able to push yourself harder in your workouts, which is going to optimize your performance. So um, as far as optimal rest times, that is what I would say. You have to realize that if you are not letting your muscles recover, you're not. It's the same thing. Like I said in the in the video I did in my YouTube video, but as far as working out, if you're not letting your muscle cells recover, you are not doing anything. It doesn't doesn't matter what you do in the gym. 
this is a different topic kind of, but like just to finish it off, doesn't matter what you do in the gym. It matters how you recover from what you do in the gym. And, and again, if, if you're not even letting your body recover while you're in the gym, it's not going to recover outside of the gym either. So optimal rest time, I'd say for big compound movements, at the very least 120 seconds to anywhere from anywhere from two to four minutes as far as compound movements. When you get into like your accessories like bicep curls or, or side shoulder raises, like those kind of things, you can get away with maybe 75 seconds to 90 seconds for those. Um, but again, like if time is of the issue, I'd rather you do supersets than cut rest times in between your work and your, in between your muscle groups. So um, that's what I'll say as far as rest times. Um, the next one is going to be what to do when you hit a weight loss plateau. Um, and I always, I always love getting this question. So I want to uh, address it very, very clearly. I, when, 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 if you come to me and say you're in a weight loss plateau, I need you to do a checklist of three things. The first checklist is make sure you're actually counting calories accurately. Like make sure every single thing that goes into your mouth is on a food scale and is getting weighed out. I do not care what it is. If you are not doing that every single time, I cannot help you. And, and, and you don't know if you're actually in a plateau because you don't know how many calories you're eating. So the first things first and foremost is if you are not – 100% accurately counting your calories with a food scale and you're not guesstimating, that's the first checklist. The next thing is going to be, have you been at least 90% consistent with doing that? Okay, so have you been at least 90% consistent with not only weighing your food out, but also obviously hitting your calorie goal and hitting your workout goals? And this means if there's 31 days in a month, you need to be at least 27 days on hitting those goals. And if you're not, then you already see where I'm going to go with this. And like I just said, the last thing is, if you have not done both those things, count calories and weigh every single part of your food out, and you have not been at least 90% consistent for at least four to six weeks, you, you cannot come to me saying you're in a weight loss plateau. I'm just I'm, I'm not going to hear it because you don't know if what you're doing is actually working. You don't even know what you're doing. So if you don't know what you're doing, you can't be in a plateau because you're not actually following a plan. So if you are not doing those two things and doing them for at least – six weeks with 90% consistency, you have no room to say that you're in a, in a weight loss plateau, plateau, plateau. Um, your weight stalling for a week or two weeks. That's not, that's not a weight loss plateau. It's just not. And again, I, I, t I tell a story all the time. I had a client who her weight did not move for four weeks, four weeks on the fifth week on the first day, she dropped five pounds and she, and she kept it off forever. So people just are way too impatient when it comes to this there are going to be times where you are not losing weight for whatever reason there could be a million reasons it's impossible to know without working with you but and even if i do work with you it, it just happens these things just happen but if you are making sure you're counting every single calorie and you've been at least 90 percent consistent for at least six weeks then okay like if you do all those things you're not going to be in a quote-unquote weight loss plateau because you're going to see progress so that is what i'll say on top of that and I shared this in a uh, video that I had, weight loss versus fat loss on YouTube. I'll link that here in the show notes too. Um, this is why you have to be tracking other forms of progress than just the scale. If I say this all the time. If you are solely basing your weight loss progress off the scale, you are beyond fucked. You're, you've already lost. You're not, you're not going to win, right? I, I said this in my video, but I had a client who her weight has not moved in like 55 days. 55 days, not move, not up or down, nothing, stay the same. We've been taking progress pictures in that same amount of time, 
and her waist has gone down like I, I believe it's over four or five inches. Like she looks completely different, completely different. And again, if you want to go watch the video, it'll it shows you in there. But she weighed the same, but her body reshaped, and like that's hard to do first and foremost. But second, that goes to show you. One pound of fat is the same as one pound of muscle as far as how much it weighs. So if you lose five pounds of fat, but you gain five pounds of muscle, the scale is not going to move, but you are going to look completely different. Your clothes are going to fit different. You're going to feel different. Like there are going to be differences in your body, but if you're not tracking your progress pictures, if you're not tracking your waist measurements and your, and your glute measurements and your quad measurements and whatever it is, you're not going to know that. You're just going to see the, the scale is not going down, and you're going to get frustrated and probably quit. And that's one of the things that I hate seeing. People quit because they think they're not seeing progress, when in reality, you're just not tracking your progress accurately. You're basing your progress off of one measurement, one metric. That's like saying the only way to know if your kid is going to succeed in life is if they get all straight A's in math. It's like, well, what if they fucking suck at math, and what if they hate math? What if they, what if they love science? Nope, it doesn't matter. It has to be math. It's the same thing. Track these other forms of data so you know if you're making progress or not. So that's what I'll say on a weight loss plateau. Again, if you haven't been doing those things for at least six weeks, you're not in a weight loss plateau. And if you have been doing those things for six weeks, you'll notice you're, you're making change. Um, so last question here. What is the best way to get workouts in if you have no weights? And anybody who knows me, I'm a, I'm a huge weight guy. So I'm going to be very honest with you. Having some sort of external load, which is just going to be, you know, weights, obviously, that is by far the best way to see change. So, um, again, very candidly, straight up, if you have the ability to get some kind of weights, I mean, I don't care if they're 10, 15, 20 pounds. If you have the ability to get some weights, I would 110% get weights because you are going to see better results that way. And anyone, anyone who tells you differently, I don't want to say is wrong, but... There is certainly a limit as far as where you can take your body with either just, you know, just calisthenics or just body weights. There, there's a limit. There's a limit to where you can do. And again, like if, if, shit, if you want to be a master calisthenics athlete, then like, yeah, you'd probably be doing body weight a lot because you want to be an athlete that. But if you're looking to looking to change the way your body looks, everything, all the research I know and everything I've seen, external load is, which is weights are going to be the best option. Now, if you truly don't have access to that, or if you only have access to very, very light weights, there's a few things you can do. Number one, obviously, is going to be if you want to if you want to get a lower body fat percentage, you have to be in a calorie deficit. So, like your food, it doesn't matter what your weights are, what workouts you do, your food can be in check no matter what. So that's first and foremost. But there's a few things you can do. Few things you can do. Um, number one, I love is adding half reps to uh, to reps. So, for example, if you're doing a squat, you would go all the way down in your squat, come up halfway, go down all the way again, and then come up all the way. So that's a 1.5 squat because you're going down, halfway up, down, all the way up. That right there automatically puts more tension on your muscles. So you'll have to. You'll you'll use less weight, but you'll see you'll you'll still see a result from it because your the 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 amount of tension on your muscles is increasing. So yeah, you may not have as much load as somebody else, but you're still creating some mechanical tension on your muscles. So that's one way. Um, the next thing I love is slow eccentrics. So like on on for example, sticking with a squat, if you go three to four seconds on the way down on the squat and like pause the bottom and then come back up, if you do that for 10, 12 reps, like that's gonna be burning your legs because again. 
you're adding more mechanical tension to your muscles on the way down because you're going slower. So your muscles have to work. It's more time under tension. Your muscles have to work uh, longer and harder than if you were just doing a, a regular, you know, a regular squat with weights. So that's one more way that, that those two honestly are really my favorite ways. Um, the next thing that's actually a, a good thing is if you do, if you say do your, your set, your three sets of 10 squats, what you can do is add in a last set, which is body weight, which is, excuse me, as many as you can. So just max out on body weight. So if you're doing squats, do, do your three sets of 10 and then just do one more set maxing out body weight. Just like go fucking just burn yourself up and just get as many as you can. Um, so that's one more way you can do it. Um, but again, things like resistance bands, things like, you know, objects around the house. Uh, again, if, if you have access to external load, that is by far going to be my most favorite way. And, and I think the most optimal way, but I know everybody doesn't have that. So um, those would be kind of uh, kind of my thoughts there. Um, can you make progress? You can absolutely make progress, especially like if your goal is to do, say, a, 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 if, if your goal is to get what, you know, your first push up. Yeah, like doing push ups are going to be the best way to get that. But uh, as far as like, changing the way your body looks, I, I always just tend to lean more towards the side of having external load and, and having, you know, options for your external load. So you don't have to join a gym, but, you know, having those, those Bowflex dumbbells or having a barbell with some weights or, or you know, having a, a cable machine, whatever it is, like having options where you can increase, um, that's by far my, my most favorite way. Um, so, yep, those are kind of my thoughts there. And then uh, those are the questions, guys. Again, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you if you have listened this far. Um, if you have a question, don't hesitate to reach out. I will try to answer it on the podcast as well. So uh, thank you again for listening, and we'll talk soon.